Welcome to the Life Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. We're starting a series today on close encounters. And we're gonna be looking at different people in the Bible and how their lives were totally changed by their encounter with God. You see, genuine proximity to Jesus can change our lives forever. Have you ever wondered how some people pray a prayer to receive Jesus, but nothing much changes in their life? And you think there's gotta be more. Something needs to be different. And I don't know about you, but right now, mentoring and life coaching is a really big thing. A lot of people in our world, I had a phone call this week from a secular company wanting mentoring and coaching. And people are looking for direction in their lives and need help. But when I was growing up, we didn't have a lot of mentors and coaches. The pastors that believed in us just said, go for it. Go and have a go, see how you go, see how things work out. So for me, over most of my life, my mentors have come from the Bible. Amazing mentors that as I've watched their lives, my life's been affected by their story. What I love about the Bible is you don't just get the good bits. You get the good bits and the challenging bits. And you know, when you see their proximity, these people in in the Bible with Jesus, it doesn't mean they didn't have tough times. It doesn't mean they got confused and didn't have to uh, deal with things. But our proximity will determine our destiny. Our proximity will determine our destiny. And one person who's had a major effect on me in the Bible, as far as me as a person, is the Apostle Peter. The Apostle Paul has affected my leadership style, but the Apostle Peter has affected me as a man, as a human being. He and his brother Andrew were working as fishermen when Jesus called them to join his ministry team. They left their fishing business and followed Jesus. And I've been blessed and challenged and encouraged by every aspect of Peter's life, his genuine love for Jesus Christ, but also his challenges in his personality. And I'm glad we get to see not just the good bits, as I said, but the challenging bits as well. Now, the main thought today, and if we can get hold of this, it can change your life forever. Now, I'm not talking about body, soul and spirit from that belief system that we have. But for the purpose of this message, I believe there's two of us. There's the human part of us and there's the God part of us. And you know, um, one is reason, I'm gonna call it reason. And the God part, I'm gonna call revelation. So as we look at the life of Peter, three things about Peter. The Peter, or before I share that, he was a leader of 12 disciples. He died a martyr. He finished his race so strong that he died crucified upside down because he didn't wanna be uh, killed like Jesus. He didn't wanna be uh, crucified the right way up. He said, I wanna be crucified upside down. Yet we also get to see the flaws, the challenges he faced and the things he had to deal with. And as I said, as Christians, we live with two postures, our reason human part and our revelation, which is, let me give you my interpretation of revelation, is the illumination of God's Word into our lives. It's the illumination of God's Word into our lives that we get it, we go, I gotta live that. I gotta do that. 
And so I'm reminded of a story, I may have even shared it before, of an Indian chief who was talking to his grandson. And he said to his grandson one day on the reservation, he says, do you know there are two wolves inside of us and uh, they fight each other. And the grandson said to the granddad, so which one wins, granddad? He said, the one you feed. The one you feed is the one that wins. And I believe we all live with these two postures every day. There's earth, human, Danny, and there's spirit, wanna follow God, Danny, and they fight each other. And I've discovered for many Christians, because they don't feed the right side, they feed the wrong side and they're not in proximity with Jesus and they go into isolation from truth. And then we wonder why we call ourselves Christians, but not much is happening in our lives. And so today I pray that this understanding will feed us better than any Italian restaurant and that it will take you where you need to go for life. A few years ago, we were going through some family challenges and one of our kids was going through challenges and I felt I needed help as well. And I went and saw a gentleman by the name of Dr. Ray Andrews. Dr. Ray Andrews is an incredible man of God, was a psychologist, but then moved into understanding our human makeup and our personality makeups and the things that make us do what we do. And even though I was with one of my kids to see him, he said to me, I think I need to spend some time with you. And about three days with him in Coffs Harbour, that's where he lives. And uh, by the way, we've become very close friends and we minister together now. And I often go into churches and where I can't go any further because I'm not qualified, Dr. Ray steps in and he's been an incredible, credible help. Anyway, he sat with me, never met me in my life before. And he says this, he says, you're just like Peter in the Bible. I go, really? And so um, he says, after I filled in a few forms and he prayed over them, he says, can I tell you who you are? I said, please do. He said, you're a feeler doer. You have high revelation. You are very transparent. You wear your heart on your sleeve. You love people very enthusiastically. You're very emotional and you don't mind delegating. I said, oh, thank you. Praise me. How good am I? He goes, but here come the negatives. <laughs> he says, here come the negatives. You're impatient. You get annoyed easily. You always look for a quick fix. You don't wait for people to catch up. You're impulsive. You trust too quickly and you carry guilt all the time. And all of a sudden I realised, wow. It was like that woman at the well where she said, uh, I met a man who knew everything about me. And I felt that was one of those moments. I even rang Sharon that night and I said, this is what he said about me, is it true? All I got on the phone was a uh-huh. <laughs> And he began to show me my childhood. He began to tell me what it was like growing up and how that nothing was ever good enough when I did something and I was always looking for affirmation and encouragement. And he started to share why I felt guilty all the time. Because, because of my personality, I wanted everybody to be happy. I didn't wanna confront anybody, but I was always made to choose sides and felt I didn't know which way to go. And he began to unpack all this and I realised that if I keep staying in my world of reason, those negative things about me would dominate my life. But if I come and get into proximity with Jesus, 
and let the Word of God become my roadmap to life. And I ask for revelation through journaling and I write it in my journal and then I pray over it. Say, God, help me become that because the wolf you feed is the one that leads. And I believe our Christian walk is not being enjoyed the way it should be because we feel guilty when we're living in human us and then feel, how can I go to church and worship God and raise my hands? Because I'm a hypocrite. Because that's the voice of the enemy to isolate us from the place that can become the loudest voice. I have people in this church that I love and care for, but it breaks my heart that whenever God speaks into a situation they're going through, they're not at church. I think if they were only here, if they were only here, they could hear the Holy Spirit speaking to them. I don't go to church just to park my blessed assurance on a seat. It's not about bums on seats and how many were there on Sunday. It's about positioning myself so that the right voice has every opportunity to speak. A song like we just sang this morning can change your life forever. One moment where the Holy Spirit steps in, in my counselling, I'm telling you, this is not an arrogant statement. In my counselling, I struggle sometimes on what to say to people until the Holy Spirit gives you a word. And He drops a seed and then what took weeks of conversation, one moment changes everything. And it's all about proximity. So this morning, three things about Peter. The Peter of Revelation, the Peter of Reason and the Peter of Return. The Peter of Revelation. Matthew 16, verse 13, one of the most powerful passages of Scripture in the Bible. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then He asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. Until Jesus is revealed to us, friends, we're just religious. We go through the form of Christianity unless He's revealed. You know, people that leave and say, it just doesn't do it for me anymore. Well, this may come as a shock, but I've been in thousands of boring church meetings. 65 years of age, there's been some boring ones. I don't go to church because church is revealed to me. I go to church because Christ is revealed to me and I want to be part of His family. You did not learn this from any human being, reason. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Now Jesus asks this question to the disciples, not because He didn't know who He was. Jesus wasn't saying, hey, can you help me find out who I am? What do people say that I am? Or he didn't need their approval. He wasn't dependent on their opinion of him. He wanted them to know. Caesarea Philippi was an area associated with idols and rival deities. The area was scattered with temples of the ancient Syrian Baal worship. 
Right by Caesarea Philippi, there was a great hill in which was a deep cavern. And that cavern was said to be the birthplace of the great God Pan, the God of nature. Hey, we don't have to go very far now and look at our world and go, we would rather worship nature than the Creator. It's happening in the world all around us. And in Caesarea Philippi, there was a great temple of white marble built to the Godhead of Caesarea. And Jesus deliberately sets Himself against the background of the world's religions in all their history and splendour and asks to be compared to them. Who do do others say I am? And who do you say I am? A pointed question that received a pointed answer. Who do you say that I am? The disciples said, some say. Do you know we have the church of some say now? All around the world, some say. Oh, I watched this thing on YouTube the other night and some say. I listened to the speaker say, some say. We can't have the God of some say because you can't do God in the second person or what others say. He has to be done in person, you know, one-on-one to have that revelation. The disciples answered, some say. But Peter said, you are the Son of the living God. In the Message Bible, it says this, Jesus came back. God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get that answer out of books or from teachers or YouTube. Sorry. My Father in heaven, God Himself, let you in on this secret of who I am, who I really am. And now I'm going to tell you who you are, who you really are. Just in this one moment of revelation, we find one of the greatest keys to life that I pray today you'll understand. I've mentioned it in passing in another message, but I felt this morning I need to park there for a moment. You see, today we have mental health issues. I am deeply burdened by mental health issues around our nation, amongst young people. I spend time talking to young people. Only this last couple of weeks, a young lady in our city took her own life and it goes on and on and on on a daily basis. And you know, Peter has a revelation, which I will call clarity. Number one, in this number one point A, he has a clarity of who Jesus is that immediately deals with identity. Because Peter says, uh, Jesus says to Peter, now that you know who I am, let me show you who you are. If we don't know that the God of the universe who created us has a purpose and plan and made us by design, not by default. If we don't believe that, then our identity is gonna be confused forever and ever. And he goes, now listen, Peter, you've got a clarity of who I am. Let me give you who you are. Now that you know who I am, Peter, let me show you who you are. You're going to build my church. You're going to be involved in the establishment of my church and you're going to have a destiny. But not only that, the gates of hell will not prevail. You're going to have authority and whatever you bind on earth and bind in heaven, I will be part of that and you will have victory. And the Christian life should be a walk of clarity because we know our identity is found in Him. Do you know how many pastors and leaders hit the wall because their identity is found in their ministry? Our identity is not in what we do. We're not human doings. We are human beings. And our identity is knowing how God feels 
about you. I remember one time complaining to God about the fact that I wasn't being fathered properly. And I, I, I distinctly felt this voice in my head said, I'll be your father. Remember Philip the night before Jesus goes to the cross? He says, can you show us the Father? I mean, out of all things to ask for when your best friend's about to die, can you show us the Father? And Jesus says, I've been with you all this time. He didn't realise. And I remember as a young teenager, having to find my spiritual fathering, not in human beings, but in my heavenly Father, because once He gave me clarity, when you look at what Dr. Ray found about me, and said all those insecure things in my negatives, I realise unless I have a clarity of who I am, my identity will be confused, my destiny will be warped, my authority will be weak, and my victory won't be experienced. But at 65 years of age, I wake up every day and think I'm only one decision away from becoming a total idiot. You know, sometimes I feel like that. But the beautiful thing is there are those two parts. And the one that's had a revelation of who God is, it starts to feed that revelation rather than reason. Now, Peter gets all this totally affected. And then only a few verses later, he becomes a man of reason. See if we can find the Scripture here. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day he would be raised from the dead. But Peter took him aside. Can you imagine taking the one that's just told you I am the Christ, you've had that revelation, or you've had that revelation. Now Peter thinks, well, now that I've had that revelation, I can help you with everything. And Peter takes Jesus aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. How can the Peter of Revelation turn to reason? Because we all do every day. I live every day with the reason. Retire. You're 65. You've been sick for a long time. People know you've served God all these years. You don't need to work that hard now. That's reason. Revelation, your best days are ahead of you. Got so much to bring for God. And every day those voices speak to all of us in this room if you're human. The issue is not that they don't speak. The issue is which one do we feed? And when you get Christians that never read their Bible, they never journal, they never have proximity with Christ. And then I've had people sit in my office and if you're one of them, please don't be offended this morning and say, why did God allow this to happen? And I think, poor God, He had nothing to do with it. This was a decision you made out of your world of reason that has nothing to do with revelation. And the fact that we live with both is something we have to understand and accept. But we don't feed the wrong one if we're walking with Jesus. If we're walking with Jesus, there's a better way to walk. Another time Peter lives out of reason and tells Jesus, I'll never deny you. And Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, This is this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you ever knew me. 
No, Peter insisted, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. Peter was always the first taxi off the rank. I mean, the other disciples, they just followed his leadership. Peter got blamed for a lot of things and the other guys sort of never got mentioned. Peter meant well. Over the years, people have said, if God only heals me of this, I'll serve Him all my life. If I get this miracle, God's got my life. And most of those people don't even go to church anymore. I've seen people touched by the power of God and healed and walk out offended by something and never go to church anymore. The stories I get every week, oh, my my uncle used to go to church, my mother used to go to church, but they got hurt. Well, see, if you stay in the reason, Peter, example, you'll always get hurt. And the more you feed that hurt, the more hurt you'll get. But if you jump out of reason, Peter style, and move into revelation approach, you will find the Word of God will heal your hurt, restore your hurt, you'll learn to forgive, you become a stronger and better person and people will wanna be around you and me when we're like that. We all live in human strength. I do it every day. I just have to choose which voice is the loudest. For Peter, his posture of reason did not turn out really well. In John 18, and I'll move along, but in John 18, because it was cold, the household servants and the guards, and I want you to remember this, made a charcoal fire. I want you to remember the charcoal fire for a moment. They stood around it warming themselves and Peter stood with them warming himself. Meanwhile, as Simon Peter was standing by the fire warming himself, they asked him again, you're not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it saying, no, I'm not. But one of the household slaves of the high priest, listen to this, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off. I think you'd remember Peter if you'd cut your mate's ear off, you know. Talk about Peter of reason. There's a sermon right there we can't go to right now. Didn't I see you out there in the olive grove with Jesus? Again, Peter denied it. Flipping Nora, honestly, you know. And immediately a rooster crowed and Peter denies Jesus by a coal fire. The result is he reacts, he retreats and he runs away. How many times do people do that today? Out of a hurt that's come through only dealing with issues through reason. This led to discouragement, disappointment, detachment and disappearing. Well, If we got everybody coming back to church next Sunday that comes out of their discouragement, deals with their disappointment, come back from being detached and disappearing, we wouldn't have enough room in this place to fit everybody in. No longer was Peter in proximity with the Lord Jesus he loved. Let me tell you, don't underestimate the power of isolation. The enemy wants to isolate us from the place that can heal us and makes us stay in that place of reason And all because he allowed reason to take over his life. The world is full of hurt Christians because of a life of reason over revelation. Reason leads to lack of proximity and it's just what the enemy wants. But the good news in Peter's life is that he does return again to revelation. See, it's not how we start or even the middle, it's how we finish. I wanna finish my life in revelation. Because when our family went through major challenges and then the loss of a loved one, you do go to reason. You do ask why. It's okay to let reason ponder around, be around you a bit because it's life. It's our humanity. We're all human. 
I used to cry so much when Chris passed and, and even now from time to time. And it's amazing, super spiros who come up to you, oh, be strong, have more faith. And you think, no, 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 hang on a minute. God understands our humanity. And He understands that the tears are okay and that the pain is okay. But I don't stay in the place of reason. I speak to myself and bring me back into revelation. After the Peter of reason denies Jesus, he goes back to fishing. Isn't it amazing that when we walk away from revelation, we go back to all the things that weren't working in the first place? I say to people, oh, some people say, oh, we're leaving this church, we've been hurt, but we're gonna go somewhere else. I said, you're probably gonna go to another church you're not gonna attend either. And so, sorry. <laughs> After the Peter of reason denies Jesus, he goes back to fishing, back to reason and doing the things from a human point of view. We pick the story up in John chapter two, verses one to nine. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon, Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples. Simon, Peter says, I'm going fishing. And they said, we'll come too. Do you know how many times reason takes a crowd with it? It's amazing how many people get hurt by church and all their mates get hurt too. And Peter goes, I'm going fishing. Oh, we're coming too. None of them challenged him. And said, what about the revelation? You know, they were there when Peter got the revelation of who Jesus was. No, we're coming too. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who He was. He called out, fellas, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then He said, throw out your net on the right hand side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did and they caught a hole in the net because there were so many fish uh, so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic for he had stripped for work and jumped into the water and headed to the shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore for they were only about a hundred yards from shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a chart coal fire. Only two times in Scripture, charcoal fire in the New Testament appears. The first time is when Peter denies Christ and he's warming his hands by a cold fire, living out of reason and protecting himself. And then he walks away from the Jesus he loved. How would you feel if you come running across the water and there's Jesus cooking brekkie? by a coal fire. What would go through your head? But I denied him. I lied about him. I let him down. But Jesus just waited for Peter to come back to Revelation and prepares breakfast. The very coal fire that Peter remembers he lived a life of reason and walked away is now a coming home by the coal fire. I'm glad he was not just the Peter of reason. He was the Peter of revelation and the Peter of reason, but he comes back as the Peter of return. What an incredible moment. He would have thought, wow, I denied him. Wow, I lied about him and I promised him I wouldn't let him down. I promised him no matter what happens. And then I totally walked away. 
I don't say this boastfully at all, but I have a passion in my heart for people that have left the church. And I don't care how many times they leave and come back. I want to make sure we prepare the coal fire and have a place ready for them to come and say, you know, the Jesus that was revealed to you at the beginning, he's still the same Jesus today. After all your brokenness and all your mess, I can mess up several times a week, but I'm glad that in that same week I can go from reason to revelation. And so we look at Peter at this moment on the beach. I've got to move along. We see Peter's call. We see Peter's crash, but more important, the compassion of the Jesus that brought him home. Moving right along, I'll leave some stuff out, but in 1 Peter 5, I'll close with this. I'd like the musicians to come, thanks. In 1 Peter 5, we now get Peter in his last days. He's about to die. And he's talking to the church leaders and people under him and around him. And I read 1 Peter 5, 2 to 5. And now a word to you who are elders in the churches. I too am an elder and I witness to the suffering of Christ. And I too will share in His glory when He is revealed to the whole world. As a fellow elder, I appeal to you, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Can you imagine Jesus cooking breakfast on the beach and saying to Peter, Pete, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Do you really love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. We'll get back to what I called you to do. Get rid of your reason and come back into revelation. And at the end of his life, what's Peter saying to the elders? He's not telling them instructions. He's given them his story. Shepherd the flock. Look after them. Don't do it grudgingly because I walked away once. It didn't work well for me. I came home to revelation. Then later on, he says this, um, verse six. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God and at the right time, He will lift you up in honour. Maybe that night when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet and Peter goes, not me. Lord, you can't wash my feet. I need to, you know, you you can't do that. You're, You're Jesus. Reason, Peter. Now, Revelation, Peter, humble yourself before mighty God. Humble yourself because there was a time in my life where I didn't know what that meant. But now I look back over my life and Jesus took a towel and washed our feet as disciples and that Jesus has kept me through all my ups and downs. Humble yourself. It actually works. And then he goes on in verse 8, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. What about the night that Jesus is about to go to the cross and He says to His disciples, will you pray with me? Would you pray just one hour with me? And they fell asleep. They fell asleep. So Peter now is an old man about to die. He goes, don't fall asleep. Stay alert. Stay awake. Because I fell asleep. He was telling us His story. Cast all your cares on Him for He cares for you. What about the night on the lake? There's a storm and Jesus is asleep in the boat. And Peter comes and shakes Jesus. 
don't you care that we perish? And reason Peter on the lake gets exposed to revelation. And now at the end of his life, cast all your care upon him. What he was saying is, I'm giving you a story of reason Peter. It doesn't work unless you let revelation Peter do the talking. And as I close today, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit will take us today and bring us into proximity to revelation. We need to move away from reason while every head's bowed and every eye closed. My prayer early this morning I was a bit angry. The, the Danny reason was angry this morning about two in the morning because we had helicopters flying and hovering around our suburb. Felt like they were landing on our roof. And I was wide awake and I thought, I've got to preach tomorrow. I need to sleep. That's reason, Danny. And Danny goes out in the back room and starts praying. Why waste the time? And as I'm praying, I felt God dropped into my mind a thought that many here this morning, you've been fighting a lot just to stay above water and you've been fighting in your own strength and it even sounds reasonable. I need to take care of my life. I need to do this. I've got decisions to make. But it's been a long time since you've opened up the Bible and a verse has stepped out to you and you go, wow. I was talking to my friend Shiv here this morning a couple of days ago and he was facing a situation and he went to the Word of God and the Scriptures God gave him, which seemed random, were the exact words he needed for his situation. Do you know that's available to all of us? We can all have that proximity. I close with this. We just need to realise that we are those two people. We need to return back to feeding the right part. Let's get back into our Bibles with expectation. Let's ask God to drop things. I've done my whole life like that. And I'm not a theologian, but I know where I need to go when Revelation Danny needs to overtake reason Danny. Stops me being religious. It keeps me real, but honest about my brokenness. The world out there is looking for a church that's not pretending to be perfect, but a church that says, hey, we live with these two tensions, but we're just going on a journey of building the right one. So one overrides the other. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you're encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life, and we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Adelaide campus. If you'd like to know more about Life, then visit our website at lifeadelaide.org or download the Life Adelaide app and stay connected.